This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I got my iced coffee. I got my water. It must be time for another edition of Finsider Radio, and we'll be talking Senior Bowl here on the Jake and Josh Show. My name is Jake Mendel. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, without further ado, go ahead to sprint through that intro just so I can get to the man of the hour, Joshua Hotz, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Glad to hear you have a nice coffee because I got my hot coffee and. You know, it is Senior Bowl week. We got lots to talk about. But even before that, I mean, there's some news about the Dolphins, and it's just exciting times, and I'm ready to dive right into it, man. And that that's kind of the thing. You know, uh, for some reason, my Facebook feed, uh, a lot of the time now, I see a lot of old wrestling clips. This was like your prime, uh, the Attitude Era, things like that. And by prime, I mean, obviously, your, your wrestling watching prime. And oh, yes. <laughs> part of what made this stuff so miraculous wasn't only the, what, hour, two hours that you saw on TV. There was drama building up throughout the entire week. And I said this on Twitter earlier. The offseason is supposed to distract us from the point that there is no football going on. So everything we talk about, I mean, people can get frustrated. Oh, my God, more Deshaun Watson talker. Oh, my God, are we going to trade number three? But but that's what the offseason is all right. This is what's getting us through it because, you know, I'm already sitting there on Monday nights. I'm already sitting there on Thursday nights. Why isn't there football on? So, so this is all. Let's just enjoy the ride here. And, and Josh, the first bit of Dolphin news I think we need to talk about is Devonta Smith. Uh, we mentioned it on our previous show. Go peep that if you haven't heard it yet. He is already penciled in, quote unquote, as the guy at number three. That comes from Benjamin Albright of Pro Football Network. And Josh, I think the best way to preface this conversation is being penciled in isn't being penned in. You can still be. You can still be erased. You can, but I mean, I think we know when we've ever taken a test, once you use an eraser, that thing's always smudged, and you know, in the in the most <laughs> critical times when you need to have that eraser come through, uh, for me, it always just leaves that streak, I mean, it's that plastic eraser that you got stuck with in grade school, but you're right, this could change, it changes, you know, day in and day out, and it's funny we're talking about an eraser, because didn't I refer to him as a number two pencil in the last show, and we saw that picture of him, I mean, he looked like the little boy in Coco, he, he looked like he was walking <laughs> in there, you know, to that... Uh, land of the undead and, and he just has a small frame but a lot of things can change they can tr- trade back they can go with jamar chase they could take the the tackle swell there's lots that could happen here they might even trade for deshaun watson as we talked about time and time again but uh he won't weigh in here he's going to wait to the seat uh for his pro day and you know to, to some i think they already realize that his playing weight is probably about 170 they already realize that 
you know, you got to fabricate touches for this guy. And if you draft him at three, if you draft him and trade down at seven, you draft him, you know, you're going to get that, give him those touches, whether he's coming around, you're just doing these little dump offs or, you know, you're throwing those screens. I mean, you're drafting this guy to be that dynamic playmaker that he is. So it's his size of concern to some, you know, that's the million dollar question. But I think when you look at what Devontae Smith could do to this offense, you know, um, sign me up if it has to be a three, but uh, I'd much rather have a trade down. And, and that was my long winded answer to that. And we're at the point where, when the exercise of preparing for the NFL draft, we know how great Devonta Smith is. We are so excited. He's a guy, you just said it, he needs the opportunities, right? If you give him the ball, he's going to make something happen. And you give him those, you know, maybe a couple seven-yard uh, receptions. And then all of a sudden he breaks off a 61-yard uh touchdown whatever it may be and that's where you get the excitement but there are massive concerns about his size and it's important to kind of keep this in the back of your mind josh you know i went to school for journalism i my full-time job is a reporter uh, in journalism we talk about a man biting a dog not the dog biting the man right i might have used this analogy before but it really goes back to the idea of we want to talk about the things that are unusual that are different and for Devonta Smith to be talked about in as the third overall pick, we know that he's good. That like you would not be putting him in the spot, penciling him in at number three if you didn't think he was good. So that's why we're talking about that frame so much. You know that being 170 in, in college, that being a huge concern, and and that's fine to have those conversations. And you know you can see it as a slight to him, but at the same time, it's it's worth stating, right? You want to cover all your bases if you're drafting someone at three. That Mike Tomlin quote, we never want to be bad enough to have a player like you. There is a lot of risk. There is a lot of potential at this part of the draft, and, and you need to really talk about everything. You do, and I think Brian Flores said it best himself. He was asked about Devontae Smith, and he came right out and said, this guy is a very, very good player. If you're a good player, you can nitpick all you want about a guy's size. A good player mm -hmm. is a good player is a good player. He made big plays in the biggest games of the year, and you know you continue to talk about that. He has the chemistry with Tua. Caught 68 receptions for almost 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns in 2019. We all remember as a freshman, you know, Tua making that um, – it was that improbable throw after they were down 13-0. They made the switch from Hurts to, to Tua at halftime. He came in as a true freshman and hit Devontae Smith. And, you know, they even kind of joked about it. Uh, we all saw the clip yesterday. I think he was on NFL Network, and he said him and, uh, you know, Tua Tungvaloa have talked about running this back. So um, it's going to be the million-dollar question heading into this draft. And, you know, as much as people like Jamar Chase, as much as they see that he has that bigger frame, and, and he maybe can do things at Devontae Smith camp, but we cannot overlook just how bad they need a guy that can create separation in a phone booth, as I say, and that's exactly what he can do. And then like again, that. he has the chemistry with Tua Tungvaloa. So I think it makes so much sense for him to end up in Miami. I just think at three, you know, that's a little bit too rich for me. But again, it goes back to if you believe he's that guy, if you believe he can be that dynamic playmaker, you don't overthink this and you just pull the trigger right there at three. Yeah, and the, the B word, bust, is going to happen whenever you have a pick inside the top 10. You know, people are already saying that we're saying that about Tua for the fact that, you know, he wasn't lighting up the scoreboard like Herbert was. Josh, I don't like to do this over uh, a podcast because it can get a little messy, uh, but I, I want to try something with you real quick. I'm going to give you two players, um, and, and I'm going to be completely honest with you. I doubt you're going to get one of them, but I'm going to give you two players and, and their statistics, and I want you to see, I want to see if you can guess the, the two of them. All right, you ready for this? Yes. Player A, 135 receptions, 1,943 receiving yards, 15 receiving touchdowns. Player B, 117 receptions, 1,856 receiving yards, and 23 touchdowns. 
I think the second one's Smith, right? You're 100% right. I, I don't know who the first one is, though. The first one, the 135 receptions, 1,943 receiving yards, and 15 receiving touchdowns was Ted Ginn Jr. in three years at Ohio State. Just, oh, God. That blows your mind right there. You know, Ted Ginn, this was a guy coming out of college. Everybody thought, you know, he was worth that pick. You know, everyone wanted Brady Quinn, yes, but but Ginn was being projected to go that high. And, you know, we can get into the huge debate, uh, was Ginn a bust? And I'm going to straight up and say no. Was he what the Dolphins uh, wanted at that high of a draft pick? Absolutely not. But he had an incredible NFL career. He lasted, I think, close to 10 years. And, and that is definitely worth noting. And I see that conversation going on Twitter all the time. So that's that's probably the best way to are have we that draft, argument. Are we drafting Devontae Smith and his family? Is that what you're getting at here? <laughs> but, oh, man, that that's hard to – And just uh, to talk about Brady Quinn, I remember watching him on, like, uh, David Letterman or something, throwing perfect balls right through, like, attack, the open window of a taxi cab. And, you know, I just wanted him so bad. And mm-hmm. then they went with Ted Ginn and his family. But I think that's what you're getting at here. You know, some people are sitting here comparing him to Ted Ginn Jr. And I myself thought, you know, when you look at what Ted Ginn did with the Dolphins, you know, when you just look at him as, you know, where he was drafted, you think of him as a bust. But, I mean, the guy, is he not still playing? I mean, I think he's still around. And to think that Ted Ginn, the guy who, you know, dropped so many key balls at certain points with the Dolphins, went on to have a pretty productive career, it, it's crazy to me. Exactly. And the point of this, uh, my buddy Zach Kalora sent me this. Uh, he, he's awesome. I've, I've done episodes of uh, In the Hunt, my previous podcast with him. And my huge concern, you know, when you think uh, Devonta Smith, you're like, oh, you know, is, is he going to be awesome or is he going to be the next Ted Ginn? Again, maybe not a bust, but maybe not what you expected. But then those numbers, Josh, Ginn had 15 touchdowns in three years at Ohio State. And Smith had 23 this year alone, and then the 135 receptions in three years compared to 117 this year alone. That was just a really reassuring statistic and uh, point of view that was brought up to me that that made me feel a little better about Devonta Smith, despite these negatives, you know, the the size uh, that that really concerned us. It made me feel a lot better about the idea of taking him at three. And with that, too, I think these conversations would be a lot different if the Dolphins had – any other quarterback other than Tua Tagovailoa under center, but but that combination of Smith and Tua uh, can, can we think can exceed anything that uh, a Jamar Chase or or somebody else could bring to the table. We really do, and you know it'd be a lot easier if we were able to sit here and talk about this if we knew who the Dolphins' offensive coordinator was. And I mean that's you know, we're heading transition. Into this, I love it. Fire, yeah, I'm learning from you. Uh, but I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about the Senior Bowl. I mean, it's on right behind me. We see the coaches mic'd up, and I believe Eric Studsville's calling plays. But it sounds like him and George Godsey are both calling plays. We kind of, I believe, joked about it on a previous podcast. You know, who's to say he's not going into the Senior Bowl and and giving these guys an open audition to see what they can do. May still have a coach in place that's playing in the Super Bowl. We don't know if we mentioned on the previous podcast on Mike Kafka. We even mentioned a, a Harold Goodwin. We know you don't know who it could be, but right now it looks like the Dolphins do not have an offense coordinator. And, uh, I mean, Brian Flores came right out and said we're still going through the process at the coordinator position. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Jake, but it's just crazy that we all thought heading into the Senior Bowl that the Dolphins had to have a guy in place. I think Jim Nagy came out a little bit before this actual Senior Bowl and said that wasn't the case. And, and now we're sitting here and it looks like it's an open audition you know right before our eyes and that that is it's kind of fun right you know you think about the chan daly hire last year and it was kind of for the lack of better words uh, a fart you know i'm gonna use it it was it was excitement pent up and then 
we got Chad Gailey. Again, Gailey wasn't bad, but you wanted something with a little pizzazz. You wanted a little excitement. And then this year, I, I'm, in, I'm liking it. You know, I, I'm going to take back what I said a few weeks ago about uh, the fact that I wanted them to go the saucy name. Um, this is interesting to me. I You don't see this happen. And it really puts into perspective how much uh, Brian Flores or even head coaches around the league really expect out of their position coaches. I mean, personally, as someone who isn't around the team 24-7, who isn't around any NFL team 24-7, I couldn't tell you specifically what a position coach's job is. I could say, yeah, you know, the wide receiver coach worked with the wide receivers and that's going to wrap up my spark notes on that. But this is a really interesting idea that, that Brian Flores is doing. And it could also be that neither of these guys will be the head coach, Brian Fo or offensive coordinator, excuse me. Brian Flores could have had conversations like, Hey, you both are going to grow from this. You guys are going to learn a lot. We're looking at this guy. And that, that, also is interesting you have to wonder do these guys get annoyed by that do these guys are they getting led on to think they're the offensive coordinator I don't necessarily think Brian Flores would go down that route but this is this is fun this is interesting this is different and Josh the, not only does it give us a little glimpse of what is expected of coaches but the Dolphins were up without their QB coach offensive quality control coach and three other coaches against the Arizona Cardinals is it any surprise that that was Tungavaloa's best game of the season? 72% of passes completed, 248 yards, and two touchdowns? Is there any correlation to that? Uh, I think there has to be a little bit. And you know what's so fascinating about this, and we mentioned it on the previous podcast, just how important this decision is here for Brian Flores. You know, this is his third season. He's bringing in his third offensive coordinator. And they've got to be a young guy that can grow with them. We know they brought in... Um, Charlie Fry, he's coming in to work with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. He has some mm -hmm. pre previous history from the Elite 11, like we mentioned. But right now, the Dolphins, they kind of have their pick of the litter. See, Adel just hired, I believe it happened last night, the Rams passing game coordinator, Shane Waldron, to be their next offensive coordinator. We saw the Mike Kafkas, you know, being interviewed there. We saw the Dorseys and the Pep Hamiltons, you know, they were pretty much interviewing every single candidate under the sun. They made their decision. So right now, if the Miami Dolphins truly did want a Ken Dorsey, if they truly did want a Pep Hamilton or one of these other guys, I mean, they have their pick of the litter. One crazy thing that I saw on Twitter, and I wish I remembered who threw it out there. I believe he, um, I believe he tweeted at Alan Popair. I probably messed that name up so bad. Um, the Dolphins beat reporter for Sports Illustrated, but um, he tweeted out this. And Jake, tell me what your thoughts are because Jim Caldwell was up for the head coach position there at Houston. The crazy idea was that maybe he and Brian Flores had an agreement in place that if he did not get that head coaching job in Houston, that maybe he comes back and becomes the Dolphins' offensive coordinator for two two years, maybe, and you know, paving the way for a Charlie Fry. So that was just some crazy thing that was thrown out there. I hope I will try to find the tweet and and give proper credit there. But you know, again, it's just awesome to see that Brian Flores is taking his time, doing his due diligence because we mentioned they had his wagon hitched to Tua Tagovailoa, unless of course they made some kind of crazy blockbuster trade. But whoever that next offensive coordinator is he too is going to have his wagon hitched and you know they ultimately are going to live or die by that sword i love that is awesome that is such that those are the takes we want in the offseason we we can have a little bit of fun with this stuff you know we can play a little bit of madden i mean we got we got all the way till september to talk about this stuff and i think that'd be a very interesting point i mean jim caldwell those those line teams are actually pretty awesome josh i i, I think Another thing to keep in mind here, too, is, is Brian Flores is saying a lot of incredible things about Eric Studsfell and George Godsey uh, to the point where these guys are learning and developing every day, too. You know, jumping into the offensive uh, QB coach role, excuse me. Uh, I think Godsey had to, or, uh, yeah, Godsey had to do that in the middle of the season, excuse me. And, and one of the questions that does come up is if it's Godsey or Studsville, 
why haven't they announced it yet? You know, it seems obvious. If the guy's there, why not talk about it? Brian Flores doesn't have to say a thing. I think that's the thing we've cer- certainly, certainly learned over the last three years. Brian Flores isn't going to say anything to the media unless he has to, right? The, the Josh Rosen stuff, the Tua stuff, whatever it may be. He owes the media nothing, so that might he might just not be doing it if it's one of those two, because he feels like it. I think that's the reason we'll have to use for a lot of the things Brian Flores does. Uh, but but I'm starting to grow the, the idea that the offensive coordinator isn't on the roster currently. I think when you see guys like Godsey and guys like Studsville going for higher jobs or even getting promoted inside the Dolphins, you can use not only this year, but this time at the Senior Bowl, everything Flores is saying about them as huge boosts to their resume. I mean, these guys have gone above and beyond is what's needed for them. I mean, those, the tight end room is one of the best groups the Dolphins have had in such a long time. And the running backs, Miles Gaskin, seventh round pick, pick Salvan Ahmed, undrafted. I mean, you just see what these guys are really putting together. And whether they stick with Godsey or Sudsville or Jim Caldwell, that would be so freaking cool. Go outside of the uh, organization. There's a lot of positives happening here, despite not having an offensive coordinator. There is, and I looked it up, and it was actually AZ, Arizona Fins Up fan. His at is A-Z-O-M-B-A-C-K-34. So he was the one that tweeted that, so I wanted to give him a shout-out for that. But, you know, um, I believe Godsey is kind of a uh, Brian Flores guy in Studsville. I mean, he's been here from one regime after another. You know, he's stuck around. So, I mean, that speaks volumes for what these different coaching staffs think of him. So we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But again, I truly believe that this might still be an open, you know, an open book that he's still trying to make his decision. But, you know, we saw Lemuel jean Pierre get promoted from within. So that kind of made some people believe that it could be an internal hire like Godsey or Studsville. But just to know that there are still two very good teams with, two very good coaching staffs in place. It'd be very nice to see the Dolphins go out of the box and go and pluck a guy from uh, Kansas City, whether that be a Kafka or even one of the Tampa Bay coaching staff. And that, that's just kind of the point we're at, where, where it's a lot of speculation. Josh, the Senior Bowl practices begin uh, began excuse me, today, today being Wednesday. Um, are there any players really standing out to you? I know you've had it on in the background, and I know it's only practices, but is there anyone that, you know, whether you're writing a story and have it on the background, anyone that's really just catching your eye and, and forcing you to kind of watch the television? Yeah, so before, you know, Senior Bowl started, I was hope, hoping to get a article out that I normally do every year. I try to cover 10 players on offense and defense. I admittedly did not get to that. It was my birthday on Monday. With two kids, it was just impossible. But I did get to watch a little bit of film last night. Um, I watched Ramondre Stevens, the running back from Oklahoma. I was watching some of his film before the Senior Bowl began. And, and I liked what I saw. He's a bruiser, a real big physical dominating running back. You know, he needs to be a better ball catcher. But when I was watching him, you know, all I was focused on was Creed Humphrey. And we know the Dolphins have a decision to make at center this year. And we all know everyone mm-hmm. wanted Creed Humphrey last season. So, you know, it's a, it's a cop-out to sit here and mention. Creed Humphrey, you know, one of the top interior offensive linemen in the entire class. But to me, I mean, this is a guy that the Dolphins are going to have their hands on. And to me, that's a guy that the Dolphins could absolutely use on that young offensive line. Some more skilled players. I mean, Demetric Felton, this is a guy who play running back and wide receiver. I saw him put a absolute devastating move. I posted the video, put this absolute brutal cut, you know, had some quick release at the line, showed a little bit of everything that this Miami Dolphins coaching staff loves. So, uh, you know, he kind of stood out there. And those are two players that just from my early on evaluation that I 
just from my early on of evaluating, you know, kind of really stood out. Besides a guy like Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, who I just saw a tweet that said Najee Harris had a great – his ankle was the size of a grapefruit, you know, early on. So uh, to hear that he came back within 10 days after that national championship performance and he went out there and, you know, in front of the Dolphins coaching staff. Again, we sit here and we can't overlook the, the relationship that Devontae Smith has with Tua. We can't sit here and overlook what Najee Harris, you know, a six foot two physical specimen, you know, at the running back situation, what the Dolphins need in that in that running run back room you know what he could do going out there and showing that he's going to overcome you know he doesn't need to go out there and prove anything he's probably running back one and he's going out there and showing the Dolphins coaching staff I'm a competitor and I'm exactly what you need and one more name we continue to talk about speed rusher Patrick Jones I mean again that's kind of a Creed Humphrey type prospect one of those upper tier pass rushers but I continue to say how the Dolphins need that speed off the edge right. and I think Patrick Jones is a player that the Dolphins are absolutely going to fall in love with this week now I brought this up before um the idea that a lot of this isn't about those first-round picks, it's just about the entire draft and the Dolphins kind of getting a glimpse of guys maybe they want, the third, the fourth, the fifth round. Uh, the Dolphins do have four picks inside the top 50. And, Josh, is there any situation that you can think of where the Dolphins coaching at the Senior Bowl might hurt them? Now, at three, I don't think so, right? If they want, whoever they want at three, Devonta Smith, Sowell, uh, I, I think those guys are going to be there. Uh, the, the linebacker from Penn State, Penn State, excuse me, slipping my mind, or somebody else who gets a lot of hype going up to the draft, uh, I think are going to be there. But at 18, could there be a team at maybe 20, 21, who gets cold feet, understands that Brian Flores, his coaching staff, was at the Senior Bowl, they spent a lot of time with Najee Harris, and can kind of zone in that, hey, at 18, Harris is a great possibility, so we need to trade up and jump the Dolphins for this player? I guess so, but I guess that works two ways, right? Because the Miami Dolphins, as we know, they go into these things with they try to attack free agency by filling some needs, and then they go into the draft with all opportunities right. on the table, and they truly do go best player available at times. So I think it would work out both ways. You know, if some team thinks they want Najee Harris, we saw the Tony Pauline report from Pro Football Network that the Pittsburgh Steelers were involved. Well, the Dolphins have two first-round picks before the Steelers, you know, ever even pick first. So uh, we'll see how it all shapes up. The one interesting note is something that came out of Brian Flores' thing, and it kind of comes back to what we're talking about. He says, we're looking for guys who are tough, who are smart, who are competitive, who love to play, love to practice, who are looking to get better, want to improve, and guys who are team first. Those are the intangibles we're looking for. And if a guy has that and is talented, then I imagine he'll do the things and make the sacrifices necessary to make himself the best player he can possibly be. If a guy is more talented and doesn't have those qualities, then I guess, well, I don't guess, but I believe that that player will get passed up because some other players will do all the things necessary and make the sacrifices necessary to get better and improve. So uh, I know that was a long-winded quote, but, I mean, he's basically saying, you know, at times we're looking for these guys. We're looking for these tough, smart, competitive guys, and maybe we're going to pass up a guy that's more talented but doesn't have some of those traits, and that just goes back to, you know, the culture that Brian Flores is building. Mm -hmm. And, it, again, it's just it just feels different in what's going on in Miami, and it's exciting times to be a Dolphins fan. Yeah, it's like they're not, you know, lining up just to take uh, Charles Harris at pick, like, 18 because they needed a defensive end, you know. They're really thinking about uh, the growth of these guys, and that's something, you know, we're really not used to uh, as Dolphin fans, is seeing first-round picks uh, with a focus on development, right? That That's just something we're really not used to. Uh, he didn't mention any size, any weight, so you could say that's a good thing for Smith, uh, and, it, and then it all comes down to mentality, attitude, and mindset. And, and that's what the Senior Bowl is really all about. They're really seeing these different guys. And then you can go into the research where they had capped another team, what other things that they do. And we saw last year, Brian Flores really, really uh, 
looks for that in his players. And that's really uh, a situation that the Dolphins and, and Dolphin fans are going to have to keep in mind. Where they draft someone like Noah Igbenogany in the late first round, where eh, it might have been a little bit of reach, but... Brian Flores, we trust him enough at this point for everything he's accomplished that this guy is going to develop. They see a vision for him, and, and they believe he's going to work and, and fulfill that vision. And, and it really goes back to trusting the process, and, and we all trust the process, and we all believe that what Brian Flores is building here is truly the right way. Uh, Jake, before we get into the last part of our show, I think we do have to jump into an ad, so we will get back into, the again, the Deshaun Watson rumors that continue to pile on as we are approaching Senior Bowl week right after this break from our ads. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And Jake, it would not be a Miami Dolphins podcast if we don't touch on the Deshaun Watson rumors. You know, every day something different's coming out. We mentioned Tony Pauline on a previous podcast saying how the Jets were a team to watch. Matt Miller continues to say he didn't wants nothing to do with the Jets. But the most recent report came from Adam Beasley. And again, this is the Miami Herald. We know we talked about Armando's report on the last podcast, but he came out and said that what he's hearing at the Senior Bowl is the chatter is getting louder about to, uh, about Watson to the Dolphins. Watson feels like the situation in Houston is unfixable, and Miami is seen as their front runner behind the scenes. So, well, we don't know if this is just an agenda or if this is, you know, real interest from the Miami Dolphins, and we probably won't know for the next two months or so. But it's just an added layer, Jake. And and how do you feel about this? Because every day, I don't know about you, but I'm waking up and it's just one day I just don't want to even hear any of this, and then you hear something and you see a Deshaun Watson Photoshop, and you can't help but get a little bit excited. And that that's kind of the thing. And like I said at the top, it's the off season. It's about this wild ride. I mean, the Peyton Manning stuff, that didn't go as the way we liked that. But, I mean, it was a blast tracking, you know, airplane, uh, where airplanes were going. Uh, Stephen Ross's uh, helicopter, I think that was a huge thing, too. I mean, it's, it's the off season. Let, let's have some fun with this stuff. I think we can't get mad or disappointed at anything that comes out because this chatter, like Beasley said, is going to continue to get louder and louder at the Senior Bowl. People are going to be talking. And then the, the draft is really going to be probably the biggest. And if we get through the draft without any moves, then we can kind of start talking. But, I mean, we have about two months here where the, this talk's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And, Josh, it's important to keep in mind that people and players will continue to get uh, hit in the crossfire of the agent talk, the rumors and reports. And, and Tunga Valoa is in the center of that. And I think it's just important for us to keep in mind that no matter what happens, I think it's okay to say that, you know, Again, another Twitter Dolphins argument, like the, the, the Ted Ginn one, is it's okay 
to want Watson, and it's okay to think Tunga Valola can be awesome too. It, it, both things are, are certainly acceptable and certainly possible, which is important to keep in mind. Uh, Josh, the, the last thing I really have about this uh, conversation is where does what look into your crystal ball? What is the next? shakeup that can be we've gotten armando smear piece of tua he followed it up with the watson rumors and now we got beasley going with the watson rumors where where does this go next what do you think is going to be the next uh you know maybe brick to be laid in the watson and houston saga you know you mentioned the attitude error in wrestling and this is kind of them just building up this exact thing i mean they're they're getting hyped for wrestlemania right here and they're just you can you know for me the next thing i think it's honestly gonna be deshaun watson's gonna tweet something very you know very discreet and you know scriptive and it's going to be some da vinci code type stuff to try to figure it out and i think it's all started because he said some things never change and that's just a frozen quote so it's just crazy how far we've come so i think every day you know we're going to see another added layer but i think right now we're going to hear deshaun watson come out and he's going to say you know something whether he tweets a picture of a cuban sandwich and dolphin fans go nuts or, or something like that who knows but um it, every day is a new day and it just feels like a soap opera at this point but it's nice to be in the driver's seat kind of say because again Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause if Deshaun Watson wants to play for the Dolphins you know he's going to do whatever he can to come to Miami and the Dolphins again um, we're not sitting here saying the Dolphins need to go and make this trade but they have the best package that they can lay out there if Nick Casario truly did love uh, Tua Tungvaloa pre-draft with the the New England Patriots and then he can get his third round uh, number three overall pick back I mean that's a game changer to me and that's something that other teams really can't offer unless you're the Jets but again who would want to go play for the Jets and that's kind of uh, the message in the forest, right? Is the idea that uh, the Dolphins are in a position where they can make moves like this. I think we always say, you know, the salary cap can be manipulated in so many different ways where it's more of something for us to debate than it is really a hurdle for teams to jump over. But in this scenario, I mean, the Dolphins are in such a prime position and and it should be a compliment that Watson wants to play from them, right? You have a coach of the year candidate in Brian Flores. You have these first round picks. You have cap space. You have a lot of young guys who, you know, you have them under contract for another two, three years where you can really set the direction of the team. And that's really the big thing that I'm going to continue to pull away from this uh, until there are rumors and negotiations happening over um, you know sources and things like that which which could certainly be the case as it's already coming out the Texans don't see Tungvalu as comparable to a first round pick and things like that we already see it coming out but but that's just going to become more and more detailed as as we get closer to that uh 2021 NFL draft yeah it really is and you know again you just have to be happy that you're included in the conversation. But at the end of the day, I mean, if it's Tua Tagovailoa, whether it's Deshaun Watson, again, we've all been Dolphin fans before these guys, and we're all going to be Dolphin fans after it. So, you know, we see the the civil war on Twitter. We see it, whether you go on Facebook, I don't know. And we see it in the comments of some of our articles. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all Dolphin fans, and we want what's best for this team. So whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa, we're going to trust in Brian Flores. And, again, this guy's 15-7 and seven as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, we have given – he's given us no reason not to trust him and you know whether it's again whether it's Watson or Tua good things are coming and speaking of the draft Josh something I want to do maybe once a podcast or, or worst case once a week uh, is take a look at a mock draft and uh, something that really gets caught up in, in the Mel Kuyper and, and the different mock drafts you see around the internet I'm sorry I couldn't just uh, blurt out a couple more names there but I blanked um, is that there's a 
some of lack originality, right? You know, we're going to see a lot of Devonta Smith to the Dolphins. We're going to see a lot of Najee Harris to the Dolphins. But the ones we really talk about are the ones that really catch us off guard. And, and I have one here that legitimately spooked me. And I had to think about what this Dolphin team would look like. So I think it'd be a fun way to wrap up here, take a quick minute, and talk about this mock draft that Pro Football Focus uh, delivered yesterday. And it starts with the Dolphins drafting Panay Sewell uh, at number three overall. Justin Fields goes one spot after them. I don't think trade downs and things like that were used. Uh, but that brings up the conversation, Josh. So let's let, let's look at this here for a second. The Dolphins draft so well at third overall. They put him at left tackle. The line works itself out. We don't have to go into the specifics of positions. But are we getting to a point there where the Dolphins are starting to spend too much draft capital in at the offensive line, in the trenches? It's a harsh, harsh position, and we rarely see players make it 16 games, right? So we can say that, you know, on paper they have the best line, but we can't assume it's going to be uh, an injury-free world and things like that. So would taking someone like Sewell at three maybe not be a waste of the third overall pick, but not maximizing your investment at the position? Most likely, and we continue to hear draft experts say that Rashawn Slater could be right up there with Pino Sewell. So, you know, at one point, this guy was a generational talent. He's starting to look like he might not even be at the top of some of these, uh, you know, scouts draft boards. So it's interesting to see. And you mentioned it, you know, they already invested three high draft picks last year. Should they invest a fourth? I mean, I continue to think that they shouldn't, but then I go back to that Buffalo Bills game, like we've talked about pod after pod, where Josh Allen, I mean, we saw it again on on Sunday, you know, he just sat back there at times and just, and just mm -hmm. had all day to throw. And it would be nice to have that situation, but then you go on to the rest of this man. And, and this is what makes me absolutely sick. And it's, it's got to make you feel uneasy. <laughs> Justin Fields goes to the Falcons at four, which I mean, that, that's fine. No one has an issue with that, but Devonte Smith goes to the Patriots at 15. Jake, oh. how does that happen? And how disgusting would that be to watch him, you know, tear up, you would think this Dolphins secondary for many years. And that something about the Patriots, everyone loves to do. They, they freak out. Whenever the Patriots sign an undrafted guy, it's it's always the next Wes Welker, always the next Julian Edelman. And I kind of tell people to cool down on, on that kind of stuff because the, there's a lot of uh, drama built, built into that. This is something we can freak out about. Smith going to the Patriots would be outrageous, unfair, and unacceptable. If he falls anywhere into that, you know, say the Dolphins don't take him at three and he falls into the, you know, mid-teens, the Dolphins have all the power in the world to move up, get him, and, and we're going to ride off as kings, all right? There is no way Devontae Smith can go to the Patriots. No way. I refuse to let it happen. I will cancel the league on my own if that happens. Please don't cancel the league. <laughs> So that means what do the Dolphins do? And Josh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I already pronounced the Wells name wrong, and it's just going to be a theme here. Um, I think my reasoning is until they're on the Dolphins, there's a lot of hard names in the universe. My apologies. Uh, no disrespect intended. <sighs> Jeremiah Awusu Kormamoa from Notre Dame. How do I do? I don't know. That looks good to me, but I think JOK sounds pretty sick. J too, so. I like JOK. I like JOK a lot, of, a lot, a lot. Uh, and this is what Pro Football Focus said about the Dolphins selecting a linebacker from Notre Dame uh, with their second pick in the first round. Uh, they, they state the Dolphins made great strides in their back seven last season, and adding JOK to the mix adds yet another versatile piece who flies around the field against the run, rushes the passer, and has both man and zone coverage skills. Expect head coach Brian Flores to get the most out of the skill set that helped JOK post strong grades across the board over the last two years. I freaked out at first when I first read this, right? This is the Smith, the offensive tackle. 
and now this. I'm like, what? What, what is happening? These aren't addressing your needs. And then, then they said that there. And you think about, you know, that middle of the first round, you think about Miami's need for a pass rusher. You mentioned it, that speed guy. Uh, somebody who's flexible, who can play all over the field, Kyle Van Noy. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here, okay, okay, Eddie. This, this doesn't sound terrible. Could could this be our TJ Watt? That's instantly where my mind started going because this pick 18 isn't necessarily a throwaway. And you don't have to go. Najee Harris would be awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's a situation. You have to do it. You know, it's locked in. Send it in. Like I said, maybe he gets drafted earlier. This looks a little appealing and exciting to me. Josh, reading it here, what, what were your first thoughts about the Dolphins taking a linebacker with their second pick? My first thought is, where is the wide receiver? That would be my first thought mm-hmm. because I want to know Good if point. it came in free agency or, you know, what how the board fell because at this point, I mean, the Dolphins, yes, they have a high draft pick. Uh, you know, I think it's, what, the third pick on day two. So, I mean, they have their pick of the litter, so to speak, but you hate to see that it would be that big drop-off because, I mean, at this point, you know, even a Rashad Bateman or a Tutu Atwell, I mean, at this point, who knows if they're even there in the second round. So that would be my first uh, concern. But, you know, I did sit here and I say how the Dolphins time and time again need that speed off the edge and, and need that guy that can, can be that versatile piece that, you know, some of these other guys just, you know, don't just lack. You know, n- nothing against them, but we're just missing that one speed rusher off the edge. So, uh, you know, I sit there and say that and then see that they take this and feel a little bit upset about it, but he would fill that need that the Dolphins have and again I think Brian Flores when he gets those defensive pieces like we saw with a Raekwon Davis you know like we saw with a a Brandon Jones when he gets these guys in here he has a a idea in mind and and he brings in these guys and can do a little bit of everything so if that's what JOK fits so be it but my biggest concern would be where did the wide receiver come from because uh, to me heading into this draft I mean I would love a a Sewell there at three but I think the Dolphins need to get that playmaker receiver and for as much as I sit here and say if they make that Deshaun Watson trade you know it will be okay to get that second tier if you're sitting here and you're making a pick at three and fit and an 18 and you don't find your receiver you know that'd be a, a pretty bad start in my opinion and you know it's important to keep in mind too because I've seen these comments start to come up we're talking about you know Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns will be back a hundred percent and uh You know, we could make the argument that Albert Wilson would be a good number three wide receiver, a good slot guy. But in the offense, the Dolphins need to run for them to maximize the potential of their second-year quarterback. Is you're going to need three or four guys who can make a difference on the field uh, pretty consistently. And, you know, you have Devontae Parker there, and, you know, we could get into the bait of him staying healthy or not. And we have Preston Williams, another guy who, who struggles with health. So even if the Dolphins don't draft a guy in the first round, I still expect them to draft a guy later and a guy get a guy in free agency. I think they really need to bring in two guys who are going to come in and compete for a starting gig right away in order for this offense to be what we would like it to be. Yeah, and I think if we're looking at PFF, and I don't know if they truly go, you know, from from one article to the next, but I do believe they had Allen Robinson projected to go to the Miami Dolphins. So if you're sitting there and saying, okay, they get Allen Robinson in free agency, that changes everything. You know, Chris Godwin in free agency, that changes everything. And then you can sit there and rely on that second day and and some of those later gems on even the third day to, to fill those receiver needs. So, um, again, it's all just hearsay right now, but it's so fun to be able to talk about it because – most teams don't have two first-round picks. Most teams don't mm-hmm. have four top 50 picks. The Dolphins do. And, again, in this crazy, untrying times, you know, when there is no combine, Brian Flores is right now up close and personal with some of the best prospects in the draft. And I think it's hard to overlook that some of those guys are eventually going to end up in Davy because uh, just for him to have his hands on that, we heard how critical it was when he went to Auburn, I believe it was, for their pro day. And I think that's when they ended up ultimately taking no Igbenogany. But they had some good defensive tackles, and that room said that he put them through the ringer and, and you know, kind of tried to see what they could do 
on the board, you know, see what they could do and how that could translate on game day. So to know that he puts those guys through the ring or think what he's doing with some of these guys at the senior bowl, I think that he's going to find those hard workers, those smart and competitive players that he's looking for. And it's hard to overlook that some of them are right now in mobile Alabama. There's no band-aid for hard work. You know, that that's really what it boils down to. You can't hide effort, you know, things like that. And that that's really what we love about Brian Flores is he gets effort. That's really going to wrap up what we have here for the Senior Bowl so far. Uh, like I said, we're only a day in. Uh, the Senior Bowl game is going to be played on Saturday, I believe. And Josh and I will be back either Saturday or Sunday to give you all our thoughts, all the notes we have about what the Dolphins are looking at, how the different players look. And, and maybe there will be some more rumors by then. You know what? Cut that. There will there will probably be some more rumors for them. If you like what you listen to, be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified the second a new show, new podcast comes on the air. If you're liking what you're listening to as well, hit that follow button on Twitter, at Houts. Josh, man, I see you. You're tweeting during the show, man. You're providing highlights. So that is the type of content you get from someone at Houts. He gives you anything that a Dolphins fan would need. You can find me at jmendel 94 That's all we have for you guys today. So thank you so much for listening. And most importantly, fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Yes, we're the